1: Avengers Initiative,
2: WandaVision. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, February eighth, twenty twenty one, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's WandaVision. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Rocha.
0: Hey, everybody.
2: And Professor X. You didn't see that coming? No, I don't think anybody did. We'll be talking about that and so much more. So let's jump into our discussion of season one, episode five, which was titled On a Very Special Episode, dot dot dot, and debuted February fifth, twenty twenty one, via Disney Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Wanda addresses Vision's worries when he grows suspicious of the neighbor's strange behavior. Dun dun dun. Okay, before we get into the actual show, 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 let's talk about the theme, as, as we have in the past. So this one is uh, the 80s installment of WandaVision. Are we fans of 80s family situation comedies? question mark and it sounds like priscilla's about to say something
0: i was about to say I, I like i didn't really watch family ties i watched um other 80s series but um that's what this one seemed most based off of but man i freaking loved little vision <laughs> he made oh yeah crack up so much the little baby yeah a part of me like asked the stupid question in my head i was like did they paint Baby for this moment, and I was like, "No." Did they pay the baby? Like, no, but think that that was so perfect. I loved it. I loved the little man in a beret showing off his little equations and stuff like that. I just loved everything about it. It was perfect.
2: That was fantastic. That was like an '80s motif for theme songs. Like they would show baby pictures and stuff of the cast so it it was very very eighties i too i don't think i've ever seen an episode of family ties now that i'm thinking about it good lord what's wrong with you people i know right but um i mean like i did see i watched full house i watched growing pains cosby show like i've seen eighties family comedies um sitcoms but uh, i've never seen family ties um apparently the house was very family ties um, the theme song was very just eighties sitcoms like that was basically the type of music and and the duets and that sort of thing that you would get with eighties family sitcoms there were little little homages to Full house in the the theme song just you know them sort of like running to the camera and them having the picnic that was uh clearly an homage to Full house we didn't it not nice did not get it you got it dude but i guess that was enough i was my heart broke but uh, you didn't get it dude i did not get it dude uh, the theme song also reminded me like it just everything 80s was in that theme song and it, and it made it spectacular professor since apparently you are the only one here that has seen family ties give it to me like what did you think of the family tiesiness of of it all
3: I'm surrounded by Philistines and children. Family <laughs> Ties was one of the great shows of the 80s. Uh, it was spectacular. It gave us Michael J. Fox, if nothing else. Well, yes. Um, uh, no, that was, honestly, that was a show that, you know, uh, honestly, I watched that with my family every week regularly it was you know one of those family viewing things it was a great great show brilliantly done um yeah and so i really appreciated it you know the the opening of it with the the family ties the the painting of it that was something that was clearly that the the pictures of them as they're growing up uh the the really long theme song which was very much an 80s thing um just a little shout out to uh the uh the composers you know who Every episode have been coming up, well, with the exception of last week's episode, uh, have been coming up with a different theme song, appropriate that sounds like a fifties, a sixties, a seventies, an eighties uh, theme. Uh, it's the uh, the husband wife team behind Frozen, who uh, wrote all of the themes. Um, I don't know if they sang it or if they who, or who sang it. I didn't think to uh, check that out, but it it really felt very eighties, like that very long, slow, unlike nowadays where it's like you know a fifteen second blurp and uh, and you're into the show. So we've got more time for commercials. Uh, But no, it felt very, very real, especially to to family ties. Uh, One thing that did strike me about it, though, is is because this is the first time I've been watching the show and it's it's so clearly family ties like the the decoration, the stained glass in the background, everything like that. But something that struck me for the first time watching it is that even though they're sort of mimicking these styles, the basic structure of the house never changes. The door is always on the one side. The stairs are always directly opposite. The kitchen is mm-hmm. always on the opposite side. The only reason I noticed that is that family ties was opposite to that family ties. The kitchen would have been on the left hand side. The front door would have been on the right hand side. Uh, so it, it feels to me like and, and, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. I think that, you know, by the end of the series, we're going to see Wanda in a house that looks nothing like we've seen before, but has exactly the floor plan that we've seen in every version of their house.
2: Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, I love that uh, keen eye, and uh, you know the, that that wonderful eye of observation that we have with the professor. I don't I don't think you needed to freeze frame that to notice it, but I'm glad that you've been uh,
3: keeping an eye on the. What well, just uh, struck me because I was say I watch Family Ties all the time, and so I was watching, thinking, "Well, wait, the kitchen's on the wrong side. Why is that?" And then I realized, "Wait a second, the kitchen has always been in exactly the same location." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the door's always been inexact, and they've changed the, yeah, it's not like they're saving money by not rebuilding, because they changed the height, they put risers in and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're, they're willing to do that, but I think there, there's a reason why the basic structure uh, stays the same. I like it, I'm here for it. Okay, so we are going to be going
2: kind of in order, because I do want to save that reveal for the end, because I know that's just going to open a can of worms of pure speculation on what the hell is going on. So let's start off with the first big thing that happened. Should we take that from the top? Let's talk about it. Agnes. All Agnes. What the hell was this? What happened? What's going on? I kept on looking at everybody's facial expressions. I rewound that one. I mean, I'll be real. I've seen the episode like five times. So, you know, I did rewind, though, and I kept on, like, looking at everyone's facial expressions. I wanted to notice the moment Agnes broke. And then I I wanted to see uh, um, Wanda's reaction to it. Uh, I listened to the sounds, the sitcominess disappeared, and there was a silence when it happened. What happened here, Priscilla? What'd you think?
0: Man, I was so confused when it happened. Like a part of me was like, "What?" I I I never I didn't I, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like she broke, but... Why? Uh, like, a part of me didn't understand why it wasn't fitting the cadence of the show anymore.
2: She did break. Big time. And it was Vision's fault. Because Vision kept on interjecting that he... You know, maybe she shouldn't. Maybe she should... You know, he, he kept on saying, like, uh, are you sure? No, maybe not. You know, does she have to hold the old baby? Like, he kept on interjecting, and it threw her off. Like, the sitcom-y balance the the the, the commie uh, pitter patter of of you know the cadence of, of what they were saying like it just threw her off and and that helped her break
3: Professor Agnes Well first of all of all this is the the episode where we really see why they cast Katherine Haunt to play mm-hmm. Agnes. Um, she is just. Uh, she's devouring the scenery. She is spectacular. She's great. Catherine Hahn is, is a goddamn national treasure, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. Um, regarding that particular scene, I think there's a couple of possible interpretations. One is that um, Agnes has become aware. She's no longer under completely under control. She's no longer sort of an NPC. She has agency. She knows what's going on. So from her point of view, I think you know you could see this as she knew that what Wanda wanted was for her to take care of the kids. And when vision stepped up and said, well, maybe you shouldn't. It's like he was interfering with Wanda's plan and Agnes, because she's playing along with Wanda's plan is basically saying, well, look, you're the person in control of this. Uh, what do you want us to do here? Um, the other possibility is that Agnes is manipulating the situation because, you know, it did get her close to the uh, the twins and uh, Agnes was present with the twins both times that something very significant happened to them. Um, I also think it was kind of interesting that uh, Wanda's pex powers don't work on the kids. Uh, last episode or two episodes ago, I guess when, uh, the stork was there and her hex powers didn't work on the stork. We sort of, you know, it laughed it off. as just sort of a sitcom trope because mm-hmm. the laughter was there indicating that, oh, this is just a funny little moment. But it does suggest there's stuff going on in this world that Wanda can't control or that Wanda isn't in control of, which is interesting given what we thought we knew at the end of the last episode. So I do think this was, was quite significant. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't really know because, you know, Catherine Hahn is playing it so sitcom tropey you know over the top neighbor who just bursts in without knocking on the door and you know all of that but there is definitely you know when she broke um it was so different and you know there was no glimmer of recognition on wanda's face no sense that she understood what was going on or anything like that it almost seemed like agnes was reading the script and no one else had um was really interesting and of course it also gives us more of the opportunity to see vision sort of breaking through to the fact that reality is not what he thinks it is. So I thought it was a very, very strong scene to open it up with and just give us that really unsettling. And something you mentioned is that they have the sitcomy, you know, the, uh, the the music and the the laugh track and all that. And just when it suddenly vanished, that was so creepy. Like, just yeah. them standing there, like actors on a stage, not knowing what's going on. Uh, boy, I found that really, really unsettling. And, you know, and again, I'm, you know, full praise to Catherine Hahn, but, Honestly, uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany both played that scene very, very well as well. It's, uh, it really gave you a, a sense of creepiness and malice uh, very early on, which, of course, you know, quickly. And once, you know, everyone's back into it and, you know, oh, the kids are quiet and, and everything like that. And, uh, uh, yeah, boy, it, it was really an interesting way to start the episode. Yes,
2: yeah, that silence was deafening. Uh, You know, it's just everything disappeared. The sitcom soundtrack, the music, the laugh track, and the baby's crying. And then all of a sudden, you know, it just roared back into the scene with uh, Agnes laughing and, and, and getting back into the part. Elizabeth Olsen was fascinating in that scene. I mean, Agnes was wonderful just because she's fantastic and and seeing her confusion uh when she broke uh as far as like what is exactly that you want me to do because i thought i was supposed to do this that was amazing but the fact that wanda didn't break at all and we've seen wanda break in essence and and because she's taken control of the scene she's rewounded parts she said no she's uh you know she's she's done stuff to to break a bit and she does well she breaks later on. Maybe um, some say she broke bad. but um, she does break at moments. So it was very interesting that she didn't break at that time. She really committed to the Um, Like you could, yeah, there's a part of me even when she's like, you know, vision, like we want Agnes to, you know, look at the babies, right? Like that was still kind of sitcom. Um, she, she didn 't fully break for that either, so it was interesting the choice of like not having Wanda break all right, so I want to continue on with Agnes so we are going to go we 're going to go in order with Agnes. I know that it's it, it, it hits on many other storylines, but we will be talking about vision and his journey separately and Wanda and what she was up to separately as well so focusing on Agnes because a lot of people have these theories on Agnes. And uh, I I was reading people sort of justifying that scene so that to to show us that Agnes, in essence, was in deference to... Wanda, so in essence, Wanda is in charge, and Wanda's the big bad. Uh, there were some people that were using that scene to justify that. Oh no, Agnes really is the, in charge, and she's the big bad. And I, I don't know. It's it's funny just after the episode comes out, going online and reading the comment section because people and their theories. I mean, it's it's just it's fascinating the the type of conversation that WandaVision is bringing into the pop culture arena. So Agnes is featured, well, she's sprinkled throughout the episode. And uh, some of what the professor said, like her awareness um, and, and that sort of thing is in full effect in this episode because the twins age up not once, but twice and both of the times was in front of Agnes. And as uh, Wanda says to Vision at one point, you know, she didn't even, you know, the twins age up in front of her and she didn't even really even react. So there was that. Um, Later on in the episode, she's involved uh, um, in, um, well, they end up getting a dog and the dog dies, and she's involved in that. And she's there to witness uh, Wanda. Uh, basically, um, you know, the kid's uh, begging Wanda to bring the dog back to life, and Wanda's basically like, you know, I can't do that, and, and Agnes is there basically saying, uh, you can do that. So she's, there are moments where she is Fully sitcom. I, I would say for the majority of the episode, she is kind of sitcommy. But there are like the camera flashes to her, as the professor said in the past. You know, there are times when the camera flashes at her. Or she has a little aside. You know, she says a little sitcom-y jab. But um, it seems like there's a, another meaning to it if, if you uh, think of um, Agnes as a truly aware character. Professor, talk to me a little bit more about Agnes throughout the episode and, and what you noticed with her.
3: Well, yeah, as we mentioned, she was there each time the, the twins got older. And the first time, you know, it was the joke if she didn't even notice. The second time, though, she saw them get older and actually made a joke about making sure the dog didn't get any bigger mm-hmm. in the same way. So, again, Agnes is clearly more aware uh, than we would think and th- than we've seen from other characters in the past. And we did get hints of that a couple of episodes ago where she was uh, you know, talking to the neighbor. Uh, and, you know, there, there's that sense that, you know, there, there is some awareness there. Um, you know, what you were talking about, you know, uh, the reaction shots, there was one that, you know, on second viewing of it that struck me as significant, uh, where the twins are basically saying to uh, to Wanda, uh, you can bring back the dead or to that effect? And she has that, you know, very special sitcom moment of no, there some things are, are done and we, we can't undo them. We simply have to accept it and go on. And there's this brief moment, a shot of Agnes sort of looking up to the sky and almost heaving a sigh of relief. It's like okay she hasn't it, and again if you're going to make the argument that agnes is a benevolent force who's there trying to help wanda out that would be her sense of oh thank god she hasn't gone that far yet um and again it, it we could just be reading far too much into this it was just you know one brief moment uh, of reaction um you know i have seen you know various people uh, online suggesting that uh, you know agnes actually killed the dog uh you know in order to try to spark something um uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the fact that she was there, uh, and, and, spent so much time with them and in such a different way. Um, yeah, we, we've known from the beginning that Catherine home was going to be, you know, something more than just one of the people in, in the community. Uh, but in this episode, uh, yeah, boy, but you can absolutely see it both ways. I mean, she could be a benevolent force. She could be a malign force. You just don't know. And just to throw in another possibility, you know, what if the twins are doing something? Hmm. Okay. Like, what if they're trying to push her, uh, the Scarlet Witch, into doing more? You know, what if the whole point of this is to push her to exert more power to, you know, and then maybe someone is skimming off the top or something like that?
2: hmm Oh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about power in a moment. Uh, Priscilla, what about you? What's your take on Agnes throughout the episode? Did you notice anything interesting with her as as we have?
0: Um, I, f- I figured the same, the same kind of logic that, um, Professor X had, did where she seemed like she was orchestrating the events to occur. Like she was like, kids can't live without them. And she, she like, she sprayed the babies and then they grew up like making me think that maybe the spray had something in it. Oh
2: and Lord. she I love it.
0: Like, I don't know, and then she she had the dog, and then the dog conveniently died in her yard, and she's like, you can bring them back to life. Like, she's pushing Wanda to use her powers, and she's pushing the kids to use their powers to age up, to grow up, to be more, and I don't know why she's doing that, if a malevolent force is using her to push Wanda and the kids further along.
2: I don't necessarily
0: think the kids are evil, but I think that that happens. I I do think that that she's being used.
2: Okay. All right. So this is a change, a little tweak from what you've been saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I I love the evolution of a theory. I love it. Okay. Good grief. I'm like, where should we go? Where should we go next? Where should we go next? Where should we go next? Because like so much happened in this episode. This was a little bit of a longer episode than we're used to. I, I think we actually got about 30 minutes, if not a teeny tiny bit over 30 minutes of, of footage, uh, which is awesome. I think Yeah, I think it was like 30, maybe 5 minutes of actual footage. Um, okay, so, well, let's talk about Vision. He had 2020 Vision in this one. Vision was noticing a lot. And we've seen Vision noticing stuff, but we've seen Wanda have really good control over Vision. You know, whether it's rewinding the tape, doing a quick splice, you know, a hard cut, um, you know, uh, influencing him, you know, from, you know, having a face of worry to the sitcommy y uh, veneers. But this one really had Visioned. Vision frazzled. Like, he was noticing everything. He questioned what happened with uh, Agnes at the start of the episode when she broke. He was like, what happened? And um, Wanda didn't break at all. She was in her sitcominess, you know, trying to do her best to convince him that everything was okay. Vision was, uh, well, this might be a, a separate thing that we can discuss, but I'll, I'll mention it. Vision was noticing that Wanda was, uh, very brazen with her powers, which is something that has been uh, a trope in the WandaVision sitcom. The fact that they're hiding their powers from, uh, their neighbors. And, and Wanda even tells Vision, like, do we really need to? Like, do we need to do that anymore? Like, can't you can be you, you know. Let's let's just be us, in essence. And Vision's like, that's that's not what we have been about, in essence. And then the big moment in the episode. Whether it's like two big moments in one. Number one, the email or the electronic mail correspondence. And then the the coworker Norm what the hell was this? What, I, I mean, it was, it was an enlightening moment for Vision that, that uh, inspires what happens later on. But Vision was starting, not necessarily to put the puzzle pieces together, Vision was finding puzzle pieces, and he has no idea what the puzzle is, so he has no idea how to put them together. But he was finding these puzzle pieces, he just has no idea what it is. The Maximoff uh, anomaly could be priscilla talk to me about vision um you know talk to me about vision within the opening questioning wanda and then uh, everything at the office
0: maybe it's because i'm the viewer but i feel like he doesn't have 2020 vision i feel like he needs glasses or something because i know, right? my god man you have all the puzzle pieces right there in front of you why haven't you put the pieces together and figured this shit out? Like that email should have like given you a huge clue. The, the scared man should have given you the huge clue. Like both of those pieces together should tell you that your wife is lying to you, that something is wrong with this world and that you, you're like, even, even you should know for sure that like if you think back your past you can't really look back to a past beyond this town and shouldn't that give you a moment to pause and think something's off about this town like I don't know the all of this together should tell him that there's bad juju but he's not putting the pieces together and it's frustrating the hell out of me and I don't know like I don't know why he isn't it's because he wants to play like The good husband? I don't know. Like, why? A good husband would know to do better for his wife by surveying all of what he sees and doing what's best for his his wife in that sense, too. But he's not doing that. He he prefers to just be in the dark.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. That's an interesting take on it. Professor, what about you? Your thoughts on Vision and the, the office sequence in, in particular, and um, and also, what do you think of that? The small little point that I made about Vision noticing that Wanda has become very carefree about her powers in front of uh, their neighbors.
3: Yeah, that was uh, quite interesting. Uh, I think you know, there's a couple of possible uh, interpretations of that. One is that you know, uh, Wanda is being manipulated by someone and someone wants her to be using her powers more, which leads back to that idea that if there is some malign force out there that is trying to skim off the top, it might make sense. It also might indicate that she's just becoming more desperate. Um, You know, she's, uh, you know, no longer as concerned with keeping up Appearances, uh, you know, she's uh, she's, you know, breaking bad, if you will. Um, and and again, I think either interpretation is interesting. Um, I found the scene uh, in the office really interesting. A, how did they get that email is an obvious question. How did that email just find its way into the reality? Because it shouldn't have. Um, who sent it, uh, you know, and and how did whoever sent it get it into, you know, the, the Maximoff Hex, let's just call it the Hex. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because apparently that's a thing now. Um, yeah. Also kind of interesting, you know, I think it's kind of pointed that uh, when Norm was shocked back to reality, you know, he had that, you know, immediate realization that he had been under control, that it was causing pain. But he doesn't say Wanda was causing it. He says she's doing it. Yes. He only says she. Uh, And that could be, you know, because we're all sort of, you know, after Monica said it's Wanda, it's all Wanda. It does lead one to think maybe that the the logical, simple assumption is that it's uh, Wanda, but you know, it's an MCU show. So it, could be a little more than that although it was interesting that you know when they do flash out talking to monica she's describing basically the same situation she does say wanda was responsible for and you know says you know the the overwhelming reason is grief and Mm -hmm. the whole series is about grief you know trying to deal with loss in various ways and uh you know uh grief can cause people to behave in uncharacteristic ways and you know maybe it has pushed uh Uh, wanda over the edge so i do think it's interesting i i i agree that that vision has a lot of the pieces but we're seeing it from a different different perspective it's like he's trying to put the pieces together and all he sees is the back of the uh the puzzle we're seeing the front of the puzzle so we're seeing how we think the pieces should go together um uh and obviously you know he did have the realization after norm that something was going on because you know he came home and and confronted wanda about it so i think he is Making that realization and again, and and something that he said to one is, you know how, how could he know that? You know, he said, you know, you, you can't your powers don't work on me or something like that um, Because you know in the past they have so it seems that Just like, you know, uh, Agnes uh, vision is gaining more agency vision is gaining How do I phrase this uh, more of his sense of self? Um, uh, as the series goes on and uh, you know they're not just resetting, and we saw that. You know, they're you know the, we've talked. You know, Paul Bettany's done a very good job of of doing those little micro signs showing Vision's unease at various things uh, that we've seen earlier in the series. And uh, I think this is just sort of you know giving us a very slow reveal of uh, of his doubts, and and you know building up to you know as we'll probably mention them actually having a face off uh, mm-hmm. uh, over it. So I, I do think they're doing a very good job of, of Vision putting together you know the questions about that. Uh, and also him realizing that he has no memories of, of life before Westdale. So, you know, how did they get here? It's uh, it, it's it's a very interesting situation for him to be in. Because as I say, you know, he jumped the, the conclusion that, you know, the she must be the Scarlet Witch, which is obviously the simplest explanation. But I do think there's the possibility there's something else out there.
2: I do agree with you on that. Uh, may I also just say, because no one mentioned it, the creepiness of everybody at the office reading the email at the exact same time in a very monotone voice uh, spectacular and yes and then laughing at it uh, because it,
3: i guess it was a get- oh it's a joke right i was like oh well, god that is the uh, you know the, the something that you know people have said if you go back and when you watch those you know sitcoms of the time weren't about joke reaction joke reaction it was more about the rhythm of it and then pause for a laughter of recognition, um, the scene with the uh, the twins and uh, and Sparky in the sink was sort of an example of that the the kids were saying things that were not funny at all, but were getting the laugh breaks from the sitcom audience, uh, which was was interesting. Funnily enough, though, the uh, you know uh, I don't remember whether it was Tommy or Billy actually had one good joke, and it didn't get a laugh, which was you know uh, when uh, Wanda says, "Waiter, what is this?" Uh, uh, dog doing in my sink uh, Tommy or Billy says the dog paddle And it doesn't get any reaction There, there was no laugh from the audience at that point but That was actually a pretty good joke for a little kid to make Oh look at that I want to give props at this point, especially because
2: of that office scene, to just all the actors, period. Because we've been sort of, like, keeping praise on Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Paul Bettany, um, Catherine Hahn, uh, and our people on the outside, outside of the hex. But I want to give props to the everyday people in Westview, because Norm played the fuck out of that, for me. Uh, The way that he switched into his actual self versus his sitcom self was really, really good. Uh, you could, you could tell, uh, that he was freaked the fuck out about what was going on and, and you could tell that he was in essence trapped and, you know, that was his moment of escape. I, I really loved it. Um, it was just, it was so good and added to, uh, the creep factor of uh, that scene. So, uh, let's jump out of the hex. And let's talk about everything that's going on outside of Westview. And the first thing that I want to talk about, I want to talk about three things with Monica. And there are actually three different questions So, uh, whomever I pick first, uh, which will probably be Priscilla, um, I just want to get your take on whichever question you want to answer. So the first thing is, they're doing all this testing on Monica, and uh, the results are, like, empty. Like, like there's nothing in the scan. Nada. Zilch. Uh, Apparently something was going on with the blood work as well. Some people online have a huge theory about some. So my question is, what the hell is going on with that? Number two, we had an entire breakdown, an entire breakdown of Avengers Endgame, where everyone is giving their two cents on, oh, well, you know, Wanda, you know, could have taken out Thanos, but she was interrupted, and then, oh, but then Captain Marvel came in, this and the other. I just thought it was interesting that they were talking about the movie, you know, kind of like as if they had watched the movie. Which I'm sure, they, you know, satellites, they probably have seen visuals of it. So that doesn't surprise people. just a question about that, like, what would you think about that little moment? And the third thing that involves that moment, there was a clear look that Monica gave. Well, let's put that as a B question with the whole Avengers Endgame thing. There was a look that she gave about Captain Marvel. We're not going to talk about her. So there was that. And I guess this would be the, the fourth question. An, what was it, an uh, aerospace engineer? What, was that who, they, who she asked about? Or I know, I know an engineer. I'm going to text them right now. And then she gets interrupted. There are a lot of people theorizing on like who the engineer is. I don't know if we want to add in our own little speculation about that. So I gave you a uh, cornucopia of questions, Priscilla. You can pick and choose which one you want to answer, and then I'm sure the professor will answer the rest. Uh, so uh, go ahead, Priscilla.
0: Okay, as for the flashes of light that are seen on the x-rays, it's totally that she's changing into photon, that she's getting her powers to that, that, and she got her powers the same way that um, Wanda got her powers, experimentation with the stone. And that, that's where I'm, I'm using my like. Wanda is a stone or that she has the powers of the stones the infinity stones and that's how she gave her her powers to be the the next photon well not the next like the first photon but yes that's what I think it is and as for the second question about um what was the second question?
2: The it was just the question. whole endgame discussion. Uh, them oh, knowing the... stuff. Uh, her, you know, we are not talking about her.
0: Oh, I loved the endgame discussion. I thought that was super funny as hell. And I noticed right away when she's like, oh, we're not talking about her. And I'm like, is it because you don't... Like, is it because she's really close to your family and you don't like people talking about her? Or is it because... You're upset because she wasn't there for your mom when she died, and you think she could have done something about it and that's that's what I think it is that she that Captain Marvel wasn't there when the blip happened and mm-hmm. her her mom died, and she thinks that something could have been done to prevent it that Captain Marvel didn't do.
2: I can dig it. Uh, I like that theory. I'm sure it's angst and stuff that will be handled in uh, Captain Marvel 2, so I don't think we're going to get resolution <laughs> to that. But I do like that theory. Um, professor, what about you? Uh, do you co-sign anything that Priscilla has said? The one that Priscilla didn't uh, didn't address, which it, she might have left for you, is uh, a certain engineer that, um, that Monica was going to text.
3: Yeah, for me, I think the... Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I noticed the, uh, the Captain Marvel reference. Well, so I did think it was a little weird uh, that uh, they had uh, Monica be the one to say that Scarlet Witch almost took down Thanos. Because remember, she's only been blipped back for less than two weeks of her subjective time. So, I mean, how much time did she have to to study the details of what happened in that versus everything else that happened in the last five years? I think it, it might have been better if uh, if Darcy and and Jimmy were having that debate. Um, but when she looked away, when she said Captain Marvel, I, you know, I would come up with a slightly less um, uh, fraught explanation, which is simply that, you know, how did the movie Captain Marvel end? Captain Marvel flew away, leaving Lieutenant Trouble behind, and maybe never came back. Hmm. So that might, so it might just be the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the uh, the child who hasn't seen her beloved aunt in all these years. Uh, and when she did come back, you know, as, as, uh, uh, as Priscilla said, you know, she couldn't save her her mom. Uh, but I also agree with Priscilla that yes, yeah, she's becoming photon. I think the fact that they they keep flashing back to that picture of uh of uh Maria uh Rambo and, you know, with her code name in there, Photon. Uh, and the fact that, you know, uh, as we've said, this whole series is about grief and dealing with grief, right? She's having to grieve over her mother and you know, she really hasn't had time to grieve. She's just come back and immediately went back to work. She hasn't really dealt with that or gone through that in any way so uh, yeah I, I agree that uh, she's going to become photon and uh, um uh, it'll be interesting you know like you know, perhaps Going through the field or going being expelled through the field gives anyone superpowers. So maybe if Wanda were to expand the uh, the Moth anomaly uh, across the world, she would create a whole bunch of superpowered people who might be considered mutants. Who knows? I'm just speculating at this point. Um, as for yeah. the aerospace engineer, yeah, a lot of speculation online. Uh, most uh, are saying probably Reed Richards. Um, you know, and again, the the level of detail that people get into is that apparently, if you're looking at the Spanish language subtitles mm-hmm. uh they use the female form of engineer yes uh so they're saying oh it's a woman so is it riri williams um but uh technically riri was never an aerospace engineer i'm not sure reed richards was either um was Sue? but it could be like you know get reed richards and the fantastic four into location and they could get blasted in the same way and you know develop powers. so i mean this could be seen as you know a way to introduce a lot of Powered characters uh into the the Marvel universe um yeah. you know we we've talked before about the the House of M uh comic book which you know obviously there's a certain level of, of similarity to this in, in the House of M uh comics there was um you know uh, Wanda was being manipulated by uh her brother and uh and her father Magneto to you know basically rewrite the entire world's reality and there were a few people who remembered the way it was before and would go around awakening people in the same way that uh Uh, vision did with uh, with norm in this episode but the end of the house of M was that wanda came to realize that you know all of her problems and all the trouble had been caused by her being manipulated by mutants so she just said at the end of it no more mutants and you know basically took powers away from you know tens of thousands of mutants around the world what if she did something the reverse of it at the end of this what if she decided the uh you know the solution was that we need more people with powers that we need to not have it, you know, uh, a limited thing that that only a handful of people have. What if it should be more democratized, shared more evenly? And what if instead of doing no more mutants, she just basically expands the uh, the anomaly and uh, and triggers essentially mutations uh, in all these people? That could be. I don't know if they would do that. That's that's such a, yeah. a universe-changing almost shattering type thing that I don't know if they would go that far, but if they are looking for a way to introduce characters from other franchises, that would be a way to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't know yet. No, comma,
0: more mutants. I know exactly. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs>
3: Perfect. Punctuation. Uh, it's that. so important. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Cause it's like, we don't know what they're going to do. Clearly. Uh, but like, would they do something like that on a Disney plus series? Cause that would, and they've already talked about how this series in essence is setting up, uh, in some sort of way for, at least Dr. Strange and, uh, the, uh, multiverse of madness and potentially as well, Spider-Man number three which is going to be doing multiverse type of stuff, and maybe even tangentially, potentially, Loki, the series, question mark? So something has to happen that's going to be big. I mean, dare I say Big Lee, uh, that something has to happen, I would think. But would they do that, though, from the series? Like, my hope has always been that they would kind of slowly introduce mutants, but there has to be some sort of in essence, cataclysmic event that would all of a sudden show us mutants, because I I don't think they're going to go the route of they've always been here, they've just been hiding. A lot of people have been thinking, you know, are they going to somehow rewrite uh, Wanda's backstory, you know, instead of necessarily the stone being the thing that uh, sparked her powers, you know, maybe the stones fully awakened her powers or something like that. uh, I mean, I don't know if that's what they're gonna do. That's just what people have been talking about online. If they are gonna start using the M word, um, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see what happens.
3: But um, it, it I is think there's definitely kind of a possibility for that because if you go back to the end of uh, uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, where we are first introduced uh, to. Uh, uh, Wanda and Pietro um, you know they said that you know out of all the test subjects these are the only two that survived so maybe they had a mutation
1: mm-hmm. that was
3: just unlocked by exposure and as I'm saying now if, if Wanda were to expand this uh, this field it might unlock these mutations that are lying dormant in all these people uh, and so she wouldn't necessarily be causing it she would just be enabling uh, this power and, and a, as a way of you know, introducing if you want uh, mutants to uh, the MCU that is true I mean all it takes is for a second for that
2: field just to expand around the entire globe and you know then it can sort of uh, disappear into the air and, uh, and that's all that it would take if we're being fully honest um, yeah I, I did read the theories about uh, the Richards um, I don't know if um, her name is Sue Storm right
3: uh Uh, yes okay she is she an engineer they have uh, sue has been problematic for the marvel universe since she was introduced because she was basically brought on as blonde eye candy Uh, uh in the original fantastic four and her power was just to turn invisible um and they sort of come to realize that oh this is really sexist af um so over time they've you know expanded her powers and abilities she's now certainly the strongest of the Fantastic Four because she also has, uh, you know, force fields and she can do all sorts of cool things with her force fields. Um, I don't think, I think in one of the movies, um, they presented her as a scientist, but I don't think that's comic book canon. But then again, hey, you know, they're creating something new. They can do whatever they want with it. And it would certainly make more sense, you know, and, and again, they're, when when they're trying to deal with that, you know, the, the idea behind it was that, uh, you know, uh, when uh, when Reed took the ship up and they got hit by uh, by cosmic rays and it gave them their powers, um, you know she and Johnny were just tagging along with them because that's what you do when you're launching an incredibly dangerous experimental spaceship. And they sort of tried to get around that by making uh, a Sue uh, a scientist and, and Johnny a test pilot and, and stuff like that. Um, so it it kind of makes more sense from a contemporary point of view. But yeah, I'm not aware of anything that has ever suggested that Sue is actually like a, an engineer of any sort. Okay. Okay.
2: So my hope with uh, at least the Fantastic Four, because I believe any type of movie with them would be many years down the line, is uh, my hope is that they sprinkle them in to uh, whatever film might need someone of their expertise so that we start to get to know them Maybe even before they get powers. Uh, sort of like what they've done with the smaller characters in the MCU. Kind of like uh, Jimmy Woo and, uh, and Darcy. You know, we see them in one movie, hear about them mentioned in, the, in another, then all of a sudden it's their movie. I think that might be kind of interesting. Although I'm not running Marvel at all, so they can do whatever the hell they want because we will be sitting here talking about it. Period. Okay, let's see. Let's talk about this man. Because he he was introduced, Mr. acting director, sword acting director, Tyler Hayward. He was introduced, in essence, as someone that knew Monica. So I think, you know, for a brief moment, maybe I was suckered in. I was like, okay, they have a, re- a relationship, not that kind of relationship, but they, they know each other, they're friendly, he, he knew her mom, this, that, or the other, like, he's going to be an ally. And then he turned into the complete opposite of that in this episode. Very dismissive of uh, Jimmy um, painting Wanda with the huge brushstroke of being a terrorist, although he did have the visuals to maybe prove his point. Uh, What do we think is going on with uh, director Hayward? Uh, There are a lot of theories online. Some people are saying he's a scroll. I don't really know if I'm going to label him a scroll. But uh, do we think he's supposed to be sort of... um, Is S.W.O.R.D. going to be a a bit of an antagonist to our heroes maybe moving forward? And and that's why they're setting him up as uh, someone that's clashing with uh, clearly people that we're supposed to be rooting for? I'll open that up to the floor. It's just a general question.
3: Well, first off, could we please, please have a middle-aged white guy who's not the baddie. Representation <laughs> matters, people. Oh, God. Um, honestly, when we first met him, I thought, I don't <laughs> trust him for some reason. But I honestly thought, well, that seems refreshing that he's getting along well with Monica. He seems to have gotten along well with her, her mother. Maybe it's not going to be the obvious middle-aged white guy bureaucrat who's going to be the baddie. Uh, and then in this episode, he was the baddie. Um, not the big baddie. Uh, and and I think they're doing actually you know, kind of a good job in that, you know, Most of what he did in this episode was kind of justified, you know, uh, you know, if he does see her as a terrorist threat and she is clearly quite dangerous, um, you know, I think you can make an argument that Nick Fury probably would have done the same thing. Um, but yeah, he's, he's clearly being cast, if not a bad guy, certainly as an antagonist, uh, to, uh, to the heroes, whether you want to think of the heroes as, uh, as one to side things or the heroes as, you know, uh, our characters on the outside, um, One thing that that I did find was kind of interesting was, you know, and, and, you know, I, we, we speculated, you know, last time that, you know, Wanda had, had grabbed Vision's body and, uh, uh, and gone off with it. And then that was when everything started settling up, you Mm -hmm. know, um, you know, he, for him to have sat on the fact that, you know, the Scarlet Witch has stolen the Vision's body, uh, you know, and, and disappeared with it, uh, up until, you know, up until, you know, now nine days later, um, seems to. You know, and he says he's gotten permission, so maybe it it wasn't him being as sketchy as it seems. But I think it is somewhat sketchy that, you know, because he invokes, uh, you know, Vision's living will that uh, he didn't want to be uh, turned into a weapon. Great. Why exactly were you guys at S.W.O.R.D. taking him apart and studying in that? It's not like he was just sitting in a coffin. There were scientists actually working on the parts. So I'm a little bit suspicious of uh, what he and S.W.O.R.D. were up to in that case.
2: Yes, yes, yes. You hit the right points. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, This is something that I'm going to be asking Priscilla about as well because I found it... Listen, I was rooting for S.W.O.R.D. for a moment because our girl is there. It looks like, uh, based off of uh, what we were told, it seems as if uh, Maria Rambo started S.W.O.R.D. So in my mind, S.W.O.R.D. must be good. Kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. was started by Peggy. And uh, it, it was, in essence, a force for good as well. And then they had the Vision's body. And that was Hellasus. Like, for me, that was just too kind of sketchy and weird. Uh, because they, they clearly had... It had appeared as if they had dissected him, and they were studying him... And I know that they read a whole bunch of, like, uh, the Sokovia Accords, and that's against this, and the Living Will, and and they were justifying whatever, whatever, whatever. It was still hella weird. And it made me kind of give the squinty eye to sword and and wonder what they were doing, and are they more so mad that Wanda thwarted whatever they were going to do. Um... You know, it it just, yeah, that gave me pause big time when it came to S.W.O.R.D. Because I was like, that does not really seem on the up and up. It doesn't seem kosher. Priscilla, what about you? What did you think of, uh, in particular, the fact that S.W.O.R.D. had Vision's body and they were clearly doing something when Wanda went to uh, reclaim his body? And why did S.W.O.R.D. have it? That's another question. Why wouldn't the Avengers have had it?
0: Well, if you think about it, like how many Avengers are left? Like, oh god, it's, it's really just the Hulk and Spider-Man. And what the hell, is Spider-Man gonna do? He's a kid, and the Hulk is Doctor there Strange is there? Sometimes not. Huh?
2: How dare you! How dare you insult Doctor Strange?
0: Doctor Strange isn't an Avenger. He's there sometimes, and sometimes he's not. Like yeah. he's got other stuff to do.
3: He's got he's got appointments to keep. Exactly. I'm more bothered by the fact they weren't recycling. Shouldn't they have you know uh, hauled uh, Vision's body out to the curb in a blue bin and just you know gotten all that uh, lovely uh, vibranium back? Yes, that's what it is.
0: I'm thinking they should have like melted him down or something like like a Terminator. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Not like a Terminator. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's just it's weird to me that that you took a something that's supposed to be like a body and you desecrated it by dissecting it and like working on it and trying to figure out its motives and its moves while it's dead. Like that's completely against the guy's living will, but obviously they didn't consider him even a living creature, a sentient creature because They completely avoided any of that guy, any of what he wanted and just did whatever the hell they wanted with the body because they see him as just a machine. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sad. I like a a part of me sees why they did it because like they don't see him as a synthesoid. They see him as a robot. So, to them, it's, it's okay to do this. It, it's, they, the, the stone never brought about higher intelligence or anything like that. It just was a stone.
3: Yeah, okay. Also, logically, they've had his body for five years, so they've had a lot of time to study it and you know, uh, yeah. be working on and tearing it apart because mm. the Vision never blipped away, but the Scarlet Witch did. So, you know, some of the stuff they're doing in Sword in terms of the technology they're working on, stuff like that, maybe some of that, or maybe they were trying to, you know, jumpstart uh, Vision or something like that, and maybe that has something to do with, you know, uh, why he is uh, resistant to uh, to Wanda's powers. I don't know, but yeah, it, it does seem that, if not Sword entirely, uh, I think certainly elements of Sword are a bit sketchy i'm kind of hoping like with you uh jeff when you were saying you know you were hoping they'd be a force for good because you know we've gone down the road before right of uh of you know this uh this this global protection organization turns out it's rotten to the core oh no it might be different this time if it wasn't you know the insidious uh you know hydra you know uh coming in taking over and it was just you know a bunch of middle-aged white guys were frightened uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cutting corners in order to do these things. And, and honestly, if you go back to the first Avengers movie, what was Shield doing in that? They were using the uh, the Hydra tech to create weapons that they would use for uh, for defending the Earth. So, you know, precedent does exist for this. Yeah, that is true. That,
2: that's a really great point, right there. Okay, so we'll stay tuned to see what the hell Sword is up to. Uh, let's hope that it. Yeah, because now that the professor sort of said it, they, they basically had the Vision's body for five years studying it, maybe creating weapons from it, um, and that sort of thing. Uh, that's Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I feel like that's going to have rippling effects uh, moving forward, because I do feel like SWORD is going to be a presence in the MCU, uh, m- you know, moving on, you know, beyond WandaVision so we're gonna get to Wanda in a moment uh, but just a couple little teeny tiny tidbits I loved Darcy and Jimmy Woo together I loved Darcy uh, fangirling over Monica amazing and uh, the reveal of the 70s threads so this was a, a big plot point that was dropped Because the idea, the concept that was sort of uh, theorized by our our sort of group of Scoobies was that, okay, you know, this is all an illusion. Because we've seen Wanda, and we've seen what she does, and they're kind of illusions, and this, that, or the other. But they figure out that she's actually, in essence, rewriting reality. Because uh, she's, um, you know, uh, uh, Monica had uh, gone into uh, the Hex, the Maximoff Anomaly, with a uh, bulletproof vest on. And when, as the sitcom sort of like around her was changing, you know, from 60s and 70s, her threads changed, and uh, her outfit was made of Kevlar. So it, it seems as if it isn't just, you know, an illusion. Wanda is literally rewriting the fabric of uh, that town, which is is an important thing to know, and especially because that revelation was buttoned with... uh, I can't remember the exact line, but to sort of paraphrase it is, you know, this is more power than we've ever seen the Scarlet Witch do point-blank and the period, which could lead us, the viewers, to believe that maybe somebody is helping her out, even though maybe Wanda doesn't know that someone's helping her out. So I'll, I'll leave that point there. Um, was there anything that I just said that anybody wants to discuss before we move into
3: Wanda making a, a, a big point? Speaking as a Scooby, I have to stand up uh, in, uh, against your gross calumny. Uh, two episodes oh. ago, when uh, when Geraldine uh, was kicked out of the uh, the Hex, uh, I oh, said yes, her clothes had yes. changed back. Where? So I said back then, obviously her reality manipulating powers are actually manipulating reality, and it persists even outside of the Hex. Yes. Uh, And also, I wanted to give you props on another point, Professor, because it was mentioned in the episode. And I was like, this was a major
2: point the Professor made on the podcast. Uh, You referenced in our previous podcast that um, clearly uh, Wanda wasn't trying to hurt "Quote unquote Geraldine, uh, A.K.A. Uh, Monica, because you know she was blasted through four walls uh, and yeah, have four walls. You know, three literal walls and then the fourth wall being uh, the hex wall, and uh, she wasn't hurt. And uh, Monica actually said that in the episode to Hayward, and I was like, oh look at that, uh,
3: the professor was was brilliant." You get a hat tip for thank that. Thank you, thank you. I yeah. I try to remain humble, but God, it's
2: not easy. Okay, good. Priscilla, what about you? Anything else to add with anything that I've said before we get into uh, Monica? Not Monica's. Uh, Wanda's uh, face off.
0: I still think that she's got control of the stones and that
2: she's okay. with the I like reality it.
0: stone. I like, I
3: like it. it. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, well, and again, getting back to Endgame, one thing that was said is that reality can't exist without the, uh, the stones. So even though uh, Thanos destroyed them, they would eventually reconstitute in some way. So it is possible. I like it. I'm here for it all. Oh, God. Okay, so
2: this is the standoff. This is one of the most badass moments I have ever seen in the MCU, I would say. This was hella badass. This would be in the top five, I would say. Okay, so Monica's like, alright, so but what if we, you know, because clearly she's rewriting stuff to fit the time period, but what if we send something in, because remember they, they also saw the, um uh, the, the drown and it changed into a toy and that sort of thing. She's like, what if we sent something period appropriate that wouldn't necessarily have to be changed? You know, what does that mean? And like, what's going to happen? Should we test it out? And so they send in a... It's a drone, I guess. But it's like an 80s drone. And uh, it's got, I guess, a speaker on it. Because she's trying to speak to Wanda. Um, The dog sort of senses it first. He scurries outside. And then Wanda steps outside. And... Monica does her best, but Wanda doesn't really respond. Well, she does respond, but by, by her eyes turned red. Uh, but that's about it. it. She doesn't really, um, she, she makes sure that it, the drone is out of frame and this, that, or the other, so it's not seen on the actual show. And since Monica doesn't uh, get her to react, Hayward uh, takes controls away from Monica and uh, is going to blast her with, uh, something, uh, the camera cuts out, there's a breach, and we see Wanda step out of the hex with the drone, tosses it over, and in essence is like, leave me alone, you know, I, this is your last warning, I don't want y'all to fuck with me, and I don't want to fuck with y'all, so leave me alone, and uh monica tries to reach out because hayward clearly is getting nowhere with his bravado and she's like you know you trusted me you allowed me to help you give birth to your kids you know that i'm i'm on the up and up why are you doing this to these people and in essence one is like what can you give me like i have everything that i want right now in essence I mean, like, there's this whole thing. They're like aiming, uh, they're aiming guns at her, and she hexes them into aiming them at Hayward. I mean, it is, it is an extravaganza of uh, Wanda Maximoff giving zero fucks, and it was spectacular for Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, Priscilla, what did you think of uh, the Maximoff standoff?
0: Holy shit! I was like. This guy does not know what the fuck he is doing. Why would you go with a little toy gun against an Avenger? <laughs> like, do you really think you're gonna, your your little BB gun is going to do anything against that behemoth? That is nothing. It's like going level one against somebody that's level 100. That's not going to do shit. You're, they're going to laugh at you. Which is basically what she did when she went in there... She went When she went outside and pointed all his guns back at him. She's like, nope. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. Why would I listen to you? But she did listen to Monica. Which is probably why she didn't kill him in the first place. But, my God. A part of... Like, there's so many theories going around, though. I was interested in this theory that I heard that somebody was like, maybe that's not the real Scarlet Witch. That's
2: I did read that online. Some people are thinking that the Scarlet Witch that came out and talked to them wasn't the real Scarlet Witch. That it could be, you know, if there is a big bad that is um, controlling everything and, and that's, in essence, manipulating Wanda into doing what they want. Uh, some people think that it might, that might have been the person that walked out. The one thing that kind of it ruins that moment for me if it's not Wanda because I feel like this is a moment of power that that Wanda is showcasing her power and it's showcasing in essence um in essence this was her Disney princess I want song Uh, not done in song but she's telling us you know I have everything that I want I have everything that I need you all can't do anything for me leave me in my bubble I will be peaceful to y'all if you are peaceful to me, and I, I think as a moment, Wanda Maximoff needed that moment. So I hope it isn't someone else that came out pretending to be Wanda. You know.
0: Me too. Like it, the way the way you phrased it right then and there, like it 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 hit that she she just showed so much authority and. A part of me, like, when I saw it, I was like, the accent is back and yes, her, her, she's, she doesn't feel like she's cowering the way she is in the TV show. With everything, she just looks like she's scared, like she's scared her bubble's gonna break and it's gonna burst, but in this case, she's like, no, no one's gonna break my bubble but me, and I don't want it to break right now, so you guys are just gonna have to deal with it and get the fuck out of here right now
2: Mm -hmm. exactly and if if you are painting wanda with the brush stroke that she's a villain this would be the moment that sort of justifies your idea that okay she is the big bad um you know i feel like all of this because they keep on beating you know all of our brains in with the fact that she's, oh, it's Wanda's in charge, Wanda's the villain, Wanda's this, you're doing this, Wanda. You know, I'm of the believer that she is not necessarily the big bad. She might be doing some bad things, but she isn't necessarily the big bad. But if you do think she is the big bad, I think that scene was proof enough that Wanda is fully in control, per se. Professor, what about you? Your thoughts on Wanda Maximoff... Diva
3: you know uh and you know it not only because of what she did with the the guns but also just the way she was carrying herself, gave me very magneto vibes oh. um, and and I've always said I, I would love you know closing shot of this is just someone you know if, if the mutants are brought back is you know seeing Michael Fassbender just sitting at a table suddenly looking up and pulling a fork towards his hand or something like that um. But yeah it, it was you know very strong, and and like i I agree with you i I've said before, I want Elizabeth Olson to be the big, bad, just because I don't want a strong female character to be manipulated. um I would rather have her be bad for her own sake than be manipulated into it and and again, it could be, as I say that maybe it's that she is doing this, and I, I do honestly believe she's doing this of her own volition. out of grief now, there is the possibility that there is someone giving her little pushes. You know, little tweaks pushing her towards a certain goal, trying to take advantage of her using all of this power uh, for some malign end. But I do believe her desire to to have this life, um, uh, to to get her ha- her version of the happy ending. Um, you know, after all the the grief and tragedy that she's gone through, um, mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. And and you know. Um, I would hope that if we find out that it is, and and again, we don't know, like we only saw selected highlights of what she saw when she attacked sword. Right. So it could be that, you know, maybe she found that they were turning him into a weapon or something like that. And uh, you know um, uh, acting uh, director douchebag, uh, just didn't share that little bit of information. So, you know, there could be other motivations there that we haven't seen, but yeah, I I really liked it. Uh, it Definitely giving me, and also that Magneto sense of look, we can't coexist. You guys stay out here. I'll be in here. Don't mess with me or I will kill you. Um, you know, it, it was great. It was, it was like super strong and, uh, and uh, just, yeah, just, I mean, a, a great acting performance. And, and as Priscilla mentioned, dropping back into the voice, you know, going back to her original costume. I was watching carefully when we cut back to the sitcom, cause she was wearing a locket in the Scarlet Witch uh, costume. She wasn't wearing the locket when she went back in. I was thinking that might be a, a connection point. Uh, now I have to go back and watch it and see whether she was wearing her wedding ring uh, when she, uh, she stepped out. But um, no, it was just, yeah, what, what a great strong scene. But I, I also do kind of agree with you, Jeff, that it seems like they're, they're being so overt. About, oh, it's a Scarlet Witch, it's a Scarlet Witch, it's a Scarlet Witch. Not by that name, but it's Wanda, it's Wanda, it's Wanda. It, it, that does make you think that you know, the laws of basic storytelling suggest that it can't be that simple. Uh, boy, I kind of hope it is. I hope it's that she is doing all of this. And maybe the redemption is maybe Agnes or Vision is able to break through and make her realize that what she's doing is wrong. And she has to voluntarily give it up.
2: Very interesting. I will say, we had a tiny little moment. It was teeny tiny, but as we say with everything Marvel, teeny tiny moments could mean something big. The fact that uh, Hayward was like, she doesn't have a funny name, she doesn't have a funny nickname. No, she's just Wanda. Could it be that by the end of WandaVision, she'll be the Scarlet Witch?
3: Oh, I think obviously. Okay. All right. I'll put that right upside the uh, the prediction that I made last week, which we're going to be talking about shortly. okay, all right I like it
2: I
0: think for sure too.
2: okay, I enjoy all of this. so let's talk about the commercial for the week It's pretty simple, it's very straightforward uh, for those out there that uh, maybe wouldn't have recognized it as much um, without the sort of uh, um, memory triggering uh, type of thing uh, they did reference it earlier. In uh, the episode, they mentioned uh, Lagos and uh, the destruction that the Scarlet Witch did in uh, Captain America's Civil War. But it was Lagos paper towels. Uh, very straightforward. I mean, even the line, the, the, what do you call it, the tagline of the commercial was a bit on the nose. Uh, you know, so for, for when you make a mess that you didn't mean or something like that. But the thing that I noticed the most out of this, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, And I did not do a whole Professor X, you know, frame-by-frame type of situation. But I did notice this. The wife in the commercial, the female in the commercial, she looked a little bit under distress in the first two scenes of the commercial. Like, she looked like... she looked very emotional. Like, as if she was either on the verge of tears Or, like, as as if she had been crying. And I don't know if that was an acting choice by uh, the woman that's playing uh, the uh, commercial lead. But it was just something that I noticed. And I found it almost um, disturbing and distressing. I don't know if either of you noticed that. But I noticed in the first two moments of the commercial, like when she's introduced and like the spill and like the second spill that she claims, like there's just something in her face where she looks really, she looked emotional. And that just seemed a little off for a, uh, in essence, you know, a paper towel commercial, you know, did anyone else notice that? Or was that just me?
0: Um, I didn't notice that, but it, what I did notice was that Lagos, the red, like, reminds me of another stone. Oh. Like, and all of the commercials seem to be relegated to a different, like, stone that we've seen before already with, like, the blue, like, cube being, like, the the soap bottle and the the soap that they were talking about and the time stone with the watch and... Which one was the first commercial? The toaster. Um, the toaster being the uh, the red, the red jewel. The no, the yeah, the
2: red jewel. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, that's fascinating. Okay, Professor Woodowicz, did you anything? Did you notice anything with the commercial?
3: Uh, not really. No. Um, uh, I didn't get the uh, the Lagos reference until afterwards uh, even though they did drop that uh, that reminder uh, in during the uh, the the briefing uh, scene uh, but yeah the uh, you know and, and again it's you know uh, what purpose are the commercials serving is it you know again is she working through her sense of guilt her sense of loss I'm starting I almost have to admit it to come around to Priscilla's uh, uh, infinity gems or infinity stones uh, theory because you do have, and I, yeah, we notice the time thing. And also, I'm I'm sort of trying to work out how the various stones might work. As we've seen, time manipulation go on. Obviously, uh, we've seen um, you know visions, powers, you know, seemingly you know to to uh, wake up uh, Norm in that way could be seen as a manifestation of the mind stone. Intriguing. And of course, if she were in some way, you know, recreating or being present at the rebirth of the infinity stones that's the sort of thing that would attract a lot of dangerous people yeah
2: very true
3: very true okay
2: so uh, we're not going to talk about the very end just yet but we're going to talk about everything that led up to the very end because a lot happened there so one of the themes about this episode that was interesting, because they, they titled this episode on a very special episode, dot, dot, dot. And in essence, the sitcom kind of trope that they did play around in this episode was, you know, the theme of sort of like a very special episode of like an 80s television uh, show, like an 80s sitcom. The episode dealt with death in a very interesting way. And that's something that we've seen on sitcoms, you know, like the kids learning about, you know, a pet dying or maybe a family member and that type of thing, you know, they're learning how to cope with death. Death was brought up a lot in this episode, and um, it was interesting how it was brought up. I, I know we've sort of like lightly touched on it earlier, but the fact that um, Wanda specifically told her kids, you know, I can't bring someone back from the dead. Um, she didn't necessarily use it in those terms because Agnes was there, but, but in essence, that's what she's saying. You know, I don't have the power to do that. Um, I, I, I like that. I I feel like it's an important bit of information because a lot of people are questioning a lot of stuff, especially with vision and how he was revived. Vision wasn't necessarily a, a living, breathing thing. So, uh, it's, it's. Uh, I would assume that Vision kind of uh, could potentially um, be a, a little wrinkle in that you know idea that Wanda can't bring things back from the dead because he wasn't necessarily a, a human. Uh, but that was an interesting point that was made. And then uh, later on, we have uh, the confrontation that was had. So Vision has been noticing stuff. He in essence awakened uh, Norm's true personality, and after experiencing all this stuff and experiencing the sitcom beats and uh, recognizing the sitcom beats, you know, noticing that Agnes all of a sudden showed up, you know, when uh, in essence Wanda queued her up, and then later on, you know, Agnes once again showed up when she was cued up uh, based off of the situation, and Vision predicted that. Um, he starts questioning Wanda, and, you know, what are you doing, what's going on, you in essence have all these people under control, uh, what's the Maximoff anomaly, and Wanda, in essence, to end the argument, rolls the credits. I will say a friend of mine on Facebook was like, this is how I'm going to be ending all of these arguments that I have, he's just going to roll the credits. It was spectacular. So the credits roll... The credits, I don't know if anyone noticed, but uh, when they leave the room, the credits glitch. I thought that was kind of interesting. And they... The one and Vision get into it. There is a standoff... Uh, Vision says he doesn't remember his life before. Westview, he accuses Wanda of, in essence, being con- in control of everybody. Where are the children? Why are there no, no children here? You know, you're in control of everyone here in Westview. And Wanda denies it. She says that she's not in control of everybody. She's this, that, or the other. Uh, she, also, she makes a couple of interesting points. Uh, the first one is is that she states that she doesn't even remember how all of this started. And I, I take that at face value. I believe her when she says that. Um, there is a, a moment when the doorbell rings, and Wanda's like, I didn't do that. And she's like, you don't believe me, but I, I didn't do that. I actually believe Wanda at that point as well, because I have my own theory about stuff. Uh, so we're going to pause it right here. We're going to do a whole pause, like, like Wanda pauses stuff, because what happens with the door is going to lead into a very different conversation. So let's talk about the argument. Wow, is all I'm going to say. Professor, what did you think of Wanda and Vision going at it? Uh, what did you think of how Wanda tried to, to avoid the argument by uh, rolling the credits? What did you think of all of Vision's observations? Because even Vision was like, so what are you going to do? You know, we're going to go to bed, and then you're going to reset everything, and this, that, or the other, because he was very astute as to what was going on and his perception of Wanda's control of the situation. And then there, then there was also a brief moment in the fight where... Uh, Vision was like, oh, you can't control me. And Wanda was like, oh, is that what you think?
3: Yeah, that was interesting. Um, and just had that element of malevolence there. Um, I, I did love the idea that, you know, sort of, you know, rolling the, uh, not just rolling the credits, but bringing up the theme song and the, the studio lines and everything like that. And, you know, previously, you know, that that's how, you know, Wanda would have just edited something and ended it. It could be an indication that she doesn't have the same level of control, uh, at least not over vision, uh, as she had in the past. The fact that he is able to break free and say, no, we are going to continue this even after the credits roll, which I thought was interesting. Uh, You know, him bringing out, you know, making overt, you know, uh, his suspicions is, you know, the the sense that, you know, because we really haven't gotten that too much of his curiosity about, you know, well, what was my life before that? Like you, I, I agree that I think her saying that, you know, I didn't create this, I found it, um, you know, was was suggestive because it does suggest that maybe someone set this up for her to find or that, you know, her unconscious is battling with her conscious mind. And perhaps it's her unconscious that is doing all the, the nasty things. Uh, and her conscious mind is just, you know, going along for the ride of, you know, living this uh, this sitcom life. I don't know. There's there's so many possibilities. But yeah, no, I, I do agree. It was a, a beautifully acted and well-written scene because you really understood the anguish that Vision is going through, uh, you know, with with not having a sense of, of who he is just being, you know, uh, uh, you know, stuck as much as anyone else. Uh, now, maybe he is jumping to conclusions about who the she is. I don't know. It's uh, it is interesting. Um, there was something that happened there that I thought was worth mentioning, but I can't remember what it was right now. I do yeah. agree with... Anyway.
2: Well, I, I agree with you. I, I thought their uh the, um, the allegations were very interesting. The fact that Vision really was collecting data throughout the entire episode and, and sort of trying to put things together and, and trying to figure it out. Uh, I, I thought Wanda, for the most part... Um, I, I would say this is the episode where Wanda was losing control of the sitcom. Um world i would say Uh, it seemed as if um she was uh she was uh what would be the proper term um she just she just wasn't as she was i don't know
3: frazzled would be the right term um actually i think frazzled is not bad i think you know there's a sense you know Uh, And we mentioned before, like using her powers in front of Agnes and referring to her powers in front of Agnes when she was talking with the kids and all of that. Um, It it shows someone who either is is being stretched the breaking point, like maybe this is taking more out of her than she wants to admit. Or, you know, there's a malign force acting on her uh, or it's just that, you know perhaps on some level, she's realizing the enormity of what she's doing, that she knows that if she is the one responsible, she knows that what she's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she can't quite face that in herself. I do, as, as I keep coming back to this, but I hope it's, it's her doing all of this out of grief. I, I do kind of hope it's, it's not someone manipulating her. Although obviously if someone's manipulating her, it makes her redemption arc easier, but um, yeah, I, I just, I hope this is her doing it. Well, I mean, both can be,
2: true, I think. I mean, she's clearly grieving, and, and this is her way of coping with that grief. But she can also still be manipulated. Someone's manipulating her grief, which, at the end of the day, I would not want to be that person, because Wanda's going to be hella pissed. Yeah. Priscilla, what about you? Your thoughts on everything with the argument? <laughs>
0: Man, the whole roll the credits when when you're mad is a great, like, power to have. Just, so, sorry to see it didn't work, but it was a good power. It was a good little card to have to play. But, man, that fight, that fight was dramatic and intense and tragic for Wanda because she looked all small and afraid and, and kind of like a little bit weak at the end when she's just kind of like no it's not me like I didn't do that I swear I didn't do that like it just at a, she she just feels it just looks like she feels like she's a pawn in this game like it's somebody else that's been playing with her powers here
2: Okay. All right. I can dig it. I love this moment. It was just, it was so good. Like, it was such a great moment in the series. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. Speaking of another moment that maybe we did not see coming, but the professor might have. All right. So there's a, there's a ding dong at the door. And that this was coming after the fact that, uh, that Wanda was denying being in control of everything that, uh, you know, she, she denied that, uh, she, she did the doorbell ring that she controlled that. She was like, it wasn't me. Um, she said, I didn't do it. She goes to the door, she opens it and shock look on her face. Darcy in the real world, her in the world outside of uh, Westview notices it on the screen and she sits down and watches. We see the camera pan out. We see a familiar hair color. Darcy recognizes the familiar hair color. And then we see a man that presents himself to be Pietro. And Darcy says, "What well, we're all thinking she recasts Pietro. But it isn't just a recast of Pietro. Because it's fascinating. So earlier in the episode, we did have a moment where the twins were like, do you have a brother? And she's like, yes, but he's far away. And, you know, it makes me sad sometimes. So she didn't fully break, 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 like she did when Ultron was mentioned in an earlier episode. But we did have a moment of a recognition of Pietro in the actual sitcom. So the person that we have playing Pietro is not uh, the gentleman that played him originally in the MCU. It is not uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. It is Evan Peters. Be like,
0: what was his name? Aaron something?
2: Yes, it was not Aaron Taylor Johnson. It was Evan Peters, who famously played Pietro Maximoff, a.k.a. Qu- Quicksilver, in the Fox X-Men franchise. Dun, dun, dun. And, uh, in, in, uh, he's like, you know, don't you want to give your brother a hug or something like that? And then he, he tells, um, Vision in a very sitcom kind of way, you know, who's the popsicle and that sort of thing. And this is where the episode ends. And then this is it. It was a shock. I will say for those out there, Listening, if you are not watching the episode at least the day of and completely avoiding social media, you will not be able to not learn of some of the twists and turns on Wandavision because basically everything Wandavision is trending on Twitter the day of the episode. Evan Peters was was trending, Monica, Wanda, uh, Paul Bettany, like the actors' names, the character names, like the plot twists, like everything trends on Twitter. So uh, I, I don't really feel bad for the people that are trying to binge all of this in one go, because that's your own personal choice. And if you're going to do that, I feel like you're legitimately going to get spoiled by everything. I will also say Age of Ultron was also trending again for like the third straight week uh, this past weekend. Um, it was also the thing that was recommended <laughs> at the end of this episode, for me at least, on Disney+. Plus. So uh, I, I guess you know people are either talking about it or rewatching it after they watch *WandaVision*. So let's talk about this. Pietro Maximoff is back with a brand new face, a familiar face for people that watch the X-Men movies. Familiar face for anybody that watches *American Horror Story*. It's Evan Peters. What does this mean? There are a lot of people theorizing about a whole bunch of stuff. I won't even mention it because that might be what some of y'all are theorizing. So I'll start off with the professor just because he did say Pietro was coming. We didn't disagree with you, um, but you were the first one that sort of said it aloud. So, Professor Pietro.
3: Yeah, I said uh, Pietro will be back. I did not predict which one because I did not see that coming. Um, uh, it took me totally by surprise because I was, uh, you know, absolutely, as soon as I heard the doorbell, I was, well, it's going to be Pietro. You know, because again, they mentioned him in the episode. And interestingly, uh, you know, uh, when Wanda referred to uh, her mother in the past, she, you know, in previous episodes, she said her mother was dead. In this one, she didn't say Pietro was dead. She said he's far away, which does sort of hold out the possibility that maybe she plucked. Uh, You know, a Pietro from the multiverse or something like that. Or maybe this is just a guy who who uh, happened to be in the community that we haven't seen so far. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I I was, you know, and and immediately I'm starting to think of, okay, what what does all this mean? Uh, We don't know. Uh, It's pointless to speculate without data. Uh, I did love the fact that uh, he chose to play the character as this big Goomba type character. And and who's the popsicle, which is really interesting because when you think about this is her brother and he doesn't know that she's married. Let alone, you know, um, and again, it, it's sort of, you know, is is, is straining the, uh, you know, the the sitcom trope a little bit uh, in that respect, which I think might lead to the idea that, you know, he's not I, again. And, and, you know, the surprise on her face, unless, as I said before, it is her unconscious doing all of this. Uh, clearly, she did not create him um she could have unconsciously pulled him in from the multiverse or unconsciously created him or there is another force at play who is trying to to push her towards something and maybe in some crazy way you know if you want to argue for you know uh, agnes being a uh, a benevolent force maybe they are trying to get her to come to grips like right now she's clearly in denial uh you know she's uh uh you know um uh, you know, in terms of Dabda, she hasn't gotten through, you know, denial, uh, you know, bringing vision back, uh, having the life they didn't have. Um, we saw some anger, um, what is it, Dabda, bargaining, depression, uh, and acceptance. So, uh, you know, we could be building towards that and maybe the whole point of it is to, you know, uh, keep pushing her to, to, you know, um, oh uh you know reconcile with her loss in this way maybe it's all a form of of therapy uh for her uh which would be an interesting take uh but yeah so as i say not surprised to see quicksilver was very surprised to see that quicksilver have no idea what it means going forward is this pietro maximoff with quicksilver's powers uh is he just a pietro maximoff um you know does does this open up the uh you know, the gateway to, uh, to, uh, you know, the, the other X-Men, will that become part of canon on another multiverse? Um, I just don't know. It's, but yeah, it was, it was a a great moment and I'm glad it didn't get spoiled for me on social media. Priscilla, what about you?
2: Your thoughts on,
3: uh, Pietro?
0: I don't think that's Pietro. I still think like, like she's, got influence on the stones I think somebody wants oh, no. that, like power over those stones I think somebody wants control over that I think that somebody is a she or that somebody is either Dottie or some, I don't know but I think they're just using this Pietro as, as a puppet or something to control to, to control Wanda I don't think he's real
2: all right so we just saw, we saw a fake person on the CD. I can dig it. I also don't think he's real as well. And my whole thing is... So, by the end of the episode... Vision is questioning everything. And clearly, if we're going to go with the word frazzled... Uh, Wanda is frazzled. And she is not able to explain her way... In any type of way to get Vision to understand that she is not in control, that that she's not, uh, not, not she isn't in control, that she is not controlling everything, and that she's uh, not in essence behind everything. Uh, the line that, that was important was, I don't even know how the, all this started. Um, the other line that was important was that, you know, I, I didn't do that. And I think whomever is really in charge or is manipulating Wanda into um, accepting this blissful prison, maybe, is the person that maybe sent Pietro to uh, sort of restore balance and order, in essence. Um, Pietro showing up, Pietro being recasted, uh, both things are sitcom tropes. I mean, the the recasted uh, family member we've seen on sitcoms, and, and, you know, we're just supposed to accept it. The uh, long-lost family member showing up, ready to sort of spice things up in the dynamic of a sitcom we've seen many times before. So they are playing with sitcom tropes, but they're also, you know, playing with whatever it is that that Wanda is doing. The other lines that were interesting in the episode was the fact that, um... Well, I don't... Now I don't remember if it was this episode, because I did rewatch an episode. But the fact that we've heard Wanda say in the past, um... You know, in essence, we can't leave here. You know, this is our home. And, um... And the fact that she also, uh, um... You know, there's just just a lot of inferences from from Wanda that she can't like. This is her dominion, and they can't leave. Uh, what's outside of Westview? You don't want to know. Like all this type of stuff. Um, it, it's it's just fascinating how it seems as if Wanda is stuck there, and uh, maybe it's the the concept of. She is imprisoned there for whatever reason, but it's a prison of her own construct. So she does have control over some of it, um, but at the end of the day, someone else is in charge. And the line that they said uh, outside of uh, the hex uh, was, and props to Darcy for calling it the hex, Um, it just, I mean, it, it flows with, Scarlet Witch and the comics and that sort of thing. But the line that they said, that they said out, of, out of it and, and just, you know, stuck with me throughout this entire episode was that, why does she have that much power? You know, how does she have that much power? She's never exhibited that much power. So the idea that powers are being combined to continue that is, is something that I'm also thinking about um, I do like Priscilla's theory about the Infinity sounds, so if she has absorbed all of the sounds, that would make sense as to why she has so much more power than she usually does. But if we are, are also going to think of the, the concept of someone else being in charge, someone else, you know, trying to manipulate, then their combined power would also increase Wanda's power as well. Whether it's Agnes somehow as a, um... Uh, uh, whether it's a forced or or a willing ally to whomever it is um I don't know uh there is a theory online that uh, Pietro um is is a Westview resident maybe uh Jimmy's witness protection program person so uh I I don't know if they're going to do that immediately if that is the case um because, I mean, so many people are speculating about, you know, does this mean, you know, the the Fox movies are, are canon? Um, I don't think this means that the Fox movies are canon. I think it's just going to be an entire trolling for the people that think that. That's what I think. He could also be the big bad, though. I mean, let's be real. Like, if the big bad sensed that Wanda is figuring stuff out the big bad is going to go in there and start stirring the pots to make sure it's stirring the way that the big bad wants it to stir. There is that as well.
3: Yeah, and I think any of those possibilities uh, are, are entirely valid. You know, We just don't know enough. All we know yeah. is that a different actor has shown up playing this character, and it could mean a lot of different things. I, I do like the idea that you know he's a recast, but if he was recast, he'd have to be someone that they've never seen before in the community and there's not that many people in the community. So that's a little iffy. Also something interesting, you know, with, um, the idea that, uh, you know, uh, one taking over the town and vision mentioning there's no children. So again, maybe when Wanda took over the town, she made sure there were no children there to be affected by it. Um, uh, yeah, it's so many questions being raised. And, you know, we, we said before we started recording kudos to Marvel for, you know, absolutely monopolizing the uh the pop culture uh conversation going on right now like we, you know, we don't have movies to talk about you know the super bowl is over and you know if, if it wasn't for you know every week just wondering what the hell does all of this mean for one division we'd all be going mad or matter yes
2: very true we have spent about an hour and 40 minutes talking about a 35 minute show uh, so it clearly it, it's a show that's sparking conversation priscilla what were you about to say
0: Oh, I was just going to say that, like, isn't it weird that this Quicksilver doesn't dress like the Quicksilver of the Fox movies, though? Like, he dresses like the Quicksilver of the Avengers. His hair is cut like the Quicksilver of the Avengers.
2: True. Yes, I noticed that as well. I noticed the hair color. The hair color is also the the hair color of the MCU Quicksilver versus the Fox one.
3: But that would make sense. If she is recasting, she would recast to look like you know, uh, as much as possible. Uh, but he doesn't sound anything like the, uh, you know, her Her Pietro, which makes sense because, you know, uh, in this reality, he would be as American as the rest of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, boy, so many questions being raised. Ah, Damn you people.
2: Yeah. I will say, and I'm just going to do it as, I don't want to even call it a bold prediction, but I'm just going to say it that he's not going to open the door to the Fox universe. I'm just gonna, he's not going to do that. No. For all those out there that think we're going to be seeing uh, um, uh, Hugh Jackman and everybody else sort of showing up. I mean, it's not to say that they couldn't do that you know, at another point in if they want to open the door to the multiverse. But I don't think this is Fox's Quicksilver plucked from the multiverse. I'm just going to say that. That's just my opinion.
3: I could be One thing about that. that, if they if they did want to reintroduce the X Men, um, you know, because if she was going to, you know, manipulate reality or, or awaken the mutants, that would allow you to take the uh, the sort of you know uh, the young mutants, the uh, the Fassbender, McElboy and stuff like that, and allow them to play those characters in a contemporary setting, because she would essentially be resetting the clock on them. True. Because I mentioned, you know, I, I, I you know, was hoping to like see, you know, Michael Fassbender at the end. But I thought, well, shouldn't it be uh, Ian McKellen, you know, because of the time frame that we're in? But no, I mean, hey, it, when you're manipulating reality to the extent that she is, and if she does in fact have access to the time stone, a lot of cards are on the table. Very true. Very true. All right. So
2: before we head into the MVP, uh, was there anything that I missed? Teeny tiny little moment? Anything that? Uh, either of you would like to discuss before we head into the MVP.
3: We've been talking a lot about uh, how, you know, obviously this is inspired uh, to some extent or another by the, uh, the House of M uh, comics. I just wanted to mention another comic series that I think has uh, has parallels here. It's it's the Vision series, uh, which uh, uh probably about four or five years ago, I want to say. Uh, but in it, you know, Vision creates a reality for himself. Now, he doesn't do it quite to this extent. He just, you know, builds a synthesoid family, including a synthesoid dog named Sparky, um, and, you know, moves to a house in the suburbs and tries to have the uh, the ideal, you know, American suburban life, uh, uh, you know, with obvious problems uh, intervening. But, uh, you know, this idea of trying to, you know, uh, create a blissful you know utopian almost tv and indeed you know the uh, the vision you know the the characters that they have you know uh the only one of them that survives is is his daughter viv and again that's you know she's a young avengers and we've talked about the possibility that if they are creating the young avengers um uh you know uh, there is a possibility with that but i think again if you're looking for uh, comic source material that uh, i think the people definitely read before doing this uh, that's one to look at
2: very interesting I like that. Alright, so now it is time for the MVP. The most valuable player. Now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Say which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen. They cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. MVP time. There are a lot of really great choices. Uh, We'll start off with Priscilla. Who's your MVP and why?
0: My MVP is going to be The Scarlet Witch because, my God, she went from being this domestic wife who was just kooky and there for her babies and trying to get them to go to sleep to this powerhouse woman who could control guns to move move against sword agents and from there she went on to become this woman who was just lost and didn't know what she wanted to say to her husband to get him to con- to understand that she really isn't controlling the situation at hand and to get him to believe her like she went through so many different characters as one character it was it's it's just it's it's an amazing thing, especially coming from like that's coming from Elizabeth Olsen, the person who just had like one role in the Avengers and it was like mo- twenty minutes at most all put together. It's
2: amazing.
3: I
0: like it.
2: Great choice, Professor. What about you? Who's your MVP?
3: Well, I want to show some love to the uh, the secondary characters, but I. Yeah. So much. So I would like to give it to Norm who had, had a great scene. It was only one scene. And I think Catherine Hahn uh, was just, she was, you know, integral, you know, she had three very important scenes. Uh, you know, that first really unsettling scene, you know, really set the tone for it. Uh, and then later on, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, um, her not just being funny, but you know, the, the little reactions and stuff like that, her sense of awareness. Um, I think, you know, uh, her, her, the realization that she is so aware of what is going on and possibly revealing things either for good or malign purposes I don't know Um, but she's just playing it so well and she's just such a delight every time she's on screen that uh, I'm going to have to give it to Agnes
2: Fantastic choice there were a lot of really great choices in this episode Uh, I think everybody had their moment it just uh, depends on how you want to validate who your MVP is Um, I gotta give it to Vision just because Paul Bettany was spectacular throughout the entire episode like we've seen him be awesome with the comedic aspects of uh, the sitcomy world but in this one where you know it turned uh, twilight zone uh, uh david lynchian uh, twin peaksish uh you know with um, vision starting to grab puzzle pieces Maybe not necessarily knowing how to put, place them together, sort of like how the professor said. You know, looking at uh, you know the backside of the puzzle versus the actual image, but grabbing the puzzle pieces and trying to place them together uh, was just. Brilliant. I mean, Paul Bettany was spectacular. Uh, the confrontation was everything. Uh, vision being exasperated, you know, just wondering what the hell is going on, was brilliantly played by Paul Bettany. He was just freaking spectacular. I, I just, I, I love this episode. It was so good. That's why I've seen it way too many times. <laughs> So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 televisions? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden television. Professor, where do you stand? How do you rate this episode?
3: Uh, I'm tempted to give it uh, a 10 out of 10, but then I remember the... Uh... Uh, the Elizabeth Olsen scene where she's facing down sword and uh, boy, that was just so good that it pushes it up to golden television for me
2: Very nice, we've got a golden television Priscilla, what about you? Um,
0: I don't think I'm gonna give it a golden television, but I am gonna give it a Ten I'm gonna give it a ten. I feel like it was a good episode deserving of its praise. I think it was perfect for how confusing it was to both the Scarlet Witch trying to figure out how to keep her world together and still be the best mom that she could be to her kids and just keep this bubble without bursting. Like, I think it was a great episode. So, 10.
2: All right, we've got a golden, and we've got a ten, and I agree with one of you, and that person is the professor. I'm giving it a golden television. It was spectacular from beginning to end. uh, Everything in the sitcom world, everything outside of the sitcom world, the cracks in the sitcom foundation that were so evident that even Vision was looking at them. He did have twenty twenty vision to notice the cracks. He might not know where the cracks are going, but uh, he did notice the cracks, and it was just fantastic from the opening weirdness of Agnes wanting to do the takeover to Pietro at the end, and and Darcy being like she recasted him, like it was just. Brilliant, and I, I just, I want to sort of like, just to, to pick up the bookmark that I left earlier, so the idea of Wanda not being able to bring back the dead, which was so beaten into our heads throughout the entire episode, makes me believe that um, clearly she did not bring Pietro back from the dead, uh, even if he's recasted, like, she, she didn't bring him back from the dead, so there are a lot of people that are that are wondering, does this mean that you know, he was, in essence, brought back to, from the dead, although recasted and that sort of thing. So um, I just I wanted to add that in. I, fe- I feel like that, in, that uh, conversation was important because of what we saw at the end. So, yes, uh, Golden TV from me. And uh, on uh, that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
1: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, and subscribe.
2: Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Priscilla.
0: Roll the credits.
3: Perfect. And the professor. You can roll the credits. I'm going to keep talking because we've just found out that doesn't work. That is very true. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes
2: of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision every Tuesday via Apple Podcast, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.